This is Council for Life, a podcast engaging conversations about mental health and the Christian life with licensed biblical counselors Beth Broom and Eliza Huey. Welcome back to Council for Life. My name is Beth. And I'm Eliza. We are so glad that you've joined us today. And we are going to talk about something that no matter who you are or Mm -hmm. what kind of person you are, this will be relevant for you. So I know some of our sessions that we've done, you might've looked at the title and thought, I don't know if I need to really learn about that. I hope you listened (laughs) anyway, but this one, we are going to talk about the wisdom of welcoming emotion and man, people are all over the spectrum and how they think and feel about their own emotions and other people's emotions. But we want to just talk about it a little bit today because emotions are everywhere. We're experiencing them all the time, whether we, whether we are paying attention or not. And emotions are created and given to us by God. They are meant to be like signposts that help point us in a particular direction. And God means for that direction to be towards himself as we experience various kinds of emotions, both what we might call positive emotions and even emotions that we might call negative simply because they, they don't feel great in our souls, emotions like sadness or fear or despair. And so, uh, we're going to talk today about these things. And the first thing I just want to say is that, you know, Jesus, when he walked on this earth, experienced the vast array of emotions, the same Mm -hmm. things that we experience, he experienced them all. He experienced compassion, anger, indignance, grief, sorrow. He experienced dread. I think and, that's so important yeah. for, for us to just recognize like Jesus had emotions. I mean, he, we know, we say that he was God in human flesh, but I think sometimes we can, we can say that, but then we can kind of create a picture in our mind about who he was, but he actually had emotions that impacted him, that affected him. So I'm yeah. glad you mentioned that. Yeah. And we want to seek to walk in wisdom. Obviously wisdom is super important. As we think about our emotions, they should not run rampant. They also should not be ignored, minimized or denied. And we often want to do that. I think we want to throw our emotions at the bottom of the pile, so to speak. And it's important that we recognize how, how good it is that when we, when we experience an emotion like sadness or anger, we it's, we're meant to do something with that. We're not meant to just ignore it or minimize it or blow up and explode and just let it take control. And so I want us to talk a little bit today about a couple of specific emotions. We talked about it before and we were like, man, we could choose from a lot of different things, mm-hmm. but we're going to choose two very common ones that I, I think everybody would be helped hopefully by hearing just a biblical perspective on these couple of emotions. So we're actually going to start with the emotion of anger and Eliza, I'm going to just Sure. Send it over to you. Give me that one. You, yeah. Talk about give me anger. That kind of makes me angry. (laughs) (laughs) No, anger. Yeah, that's a wow. That's a big emotion, but really important. So let's kind of think through this together. Um, First of all, I want to say that we want to, regardless of what emotion we're going to be talking about, but but you gave me anger. So we want to make sure we understand. Like this is a normal human response. And this is why I love the title, the wisdom of welcoming emotions, because sometimes we can have a a feeling and emotion and be like, oh, I need to not feel that way. I need to just ignore that or push it aside or suppress it. But this is a normal human response to living in a broken and fallen world. And so um, we want to, first of all, I just want to kind of normalize it, but 
caution. I don't want to normalize it so much to say that it's okay all the time. And I'm going to talk about that. Uh, I think I'll, I'll share if you, I'm thinking about where I want to go with this, but I, I think it is important to lay that, that right up at the front that it's, it's a normal human response, but we don't want to normalize it so much that we just kind of categorize. I'm sure our listeners have heard of righteous anger. I think we can tend to think sometimes our, our anger is righteous, um, but that probably happens a lot less often than we realize. So, um, so just kind of hold that intention a little bit, but anger, if it's rightly thought about is actually necessary it, when we think about it rightly. And I want to use this definition that um, I have heard from Tim Keller, and he says something along the lines of anger is energy aroused in defense of something good. So you're like defending something good released against something evil. And I love that definition of anger. It's, it's energy that's aroused in defense of something good against something evil. And if we think about anger that way, then we have a very different view of what's going on. And it, that actually, that diff- definition, the reason why I like it so much is he helps us kind of like look at our own anger and examine it. And yes, it's there. So let's, let's, let's not ignore it, but let's examine it. Is this anger aroused in in defense of something good released against something evil? And that is the picture that we see with Jesus so much. And, um, there's various places in the scripture. I was actually in my Bible reading, just reading in Mark. And um, one of the passages that I just happened to stumble on is Mark chapter three. And it, and it's, let me see if I can find it really quick. Cause I don't want to, yeah, it says, this is, this is Jesus healing the man with the withered hand on the Sabbath. And the Pharisees are like, Ooh, is this lawful for him to do this on the Sabbath? And he says, but And he basically, Jesus asks them, is it lawful on the Sabbath to do good or to do harm, to save life or to kill? But they were silent. They, the the Pharisees were silent. And then in verse five, he says, and he looked around at them with anger. But then right after that, it explains his anger, grieved at their hardness of heart. So what was really motivating this anger was a deep grief over their hardness of heart. He knew where that hardness of heart was going to take them. And so it angered him, this energy aroused in defense of something good released against something evil, the the hardness of their heart. And so this just helps us understand anger a little bit better. Jesus definitely displayed righteous anger. He's a good picture for us to follow. His anger was always, here's what's, what's interesting. His anger was always um, towards the mistreatment of those who were oppressed, people who were oppressed or abused. His anger was, was not personal. And yet he had a lot of reason to take things very personal because people were attacking him and um, coming against him. But the times when his anger was aroused was when, when others were mistreated, like in this passage that we saw where, where somebody was, was upset that a man was getting blessed and relieved his suffering was being healed. Um, and so his, his anger was, was always towards when people were mistreated or oppressed and not at all often like the anger that we sometimes feel. And, but we see that that moved him towards compassion. And so 
those are good things to keep in mind and how Jesus, how Jesus did this. I think we see it in, um, first Peter and I've, I've referenced this verse before, um, on a more recent podcast, but first Peter two 23 talks about when he was reviled, he opened not his mouth. And when he was, uh, when he suffered, he didn't threaten, but he continued to entrust himself to the one who judges justly. Jesus dealt with these, these situations by trusting the Lord. And that's something that we can do as well, because we also know that um, James chapter four talks about what causes disputes and what causes fights among us. It comes from the evil that's within our hearts. It comes from, from this conflict that's in our own heart. And so it's important for us to kind of slow down and consider what is going on in the situation is this really something that I should be angry about? Is there something good that is ha- that is being oppressed or some, someone good that's being oppressed? Um, or is this something that is just a personal thing that I need to trust the Lord with? And so slowing down with anger is, is really important. And hopefully that picture and that definition that Timothy Keller gives kind of helps us to do that a little bit. So yeah, how's that, Beth? Great. How does, does yeah. that help as we think about anger? Thanks yes. for sharing, giving me that one. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Well, and I want to talk for just a, a brief moment about sadness and sorrow. Mm. And we see that all through scripture, but I do think that this is an emotion that it's really easy for us to just distract ourselves try to run away from it or escape from this emotion because it doesn't feel good inside. And so specifically grief, sadness, sorrow. um, I just, I want to just address it for a moment because first of all, we see all through scripture, but we see Jesus experiencing deep sorrow at the loss of his friend, Lazarus. We see that we see him experiencing deep sorrow um, th- birthed out of, of love, honestly, like the, that the root of it was with, with Lazarus in particular. And even as he wept over Jerusalem, his sadness came because he had such deep love. Like he yeah. loved God's people and he loved his friend who died. And he was experiencing the depth of just the weight of living in a fallen world. And, and that's good for us to do. It may not feel good in the moment, but what it does is it it's leading us towards a better and deeper understanding of humanity and also of the deep love of God in the midst yeah. of, of living in a fallen world. And so sorrow is something I think about Jesus in the garden of Gethsemane. It said that his soul was deeply troubled and full of, of sadness and sorrow. And, you know, again, that, that sadness, the depth, he knew he was going to experience separation from the father. And that was scary for him. So being troubled in spirit includes fear, which is Mm. an emotion that even Jesus experienced dread, sorrow in the garden. We see Jesus's humanity just highlighted and it's beautiful. He chose to experience those things because he wanted to understand us. He wanted in every way to experience what we've experienced and yet without mm-hmm. sin. And isn't that just such a comfort to, I am just listening to you talk about this. It's such a comfort to know that he gets it right. Mm-hmm. He yeah, gets it. Absolutely. Yeah. And you know, it's, it's so important. I, I, there's a verse that I actually really love. And it's one that when I memorized it, I was like, this feels kind of dark, but it's, it's good. Ecclesiastes, Ecclesiastes seven, four says, the heart of the wise is in the house of mourning. Hmm. This idea that wisdom is somehow formed inside of us when we choose to mourn. Wow. And wow. Hold on. Sorrow. I think, I think, can you just say that again? 
<laughs> yeah. Uh, the heart of the wise is in the house of mourning. And the second half of that basically says that the heart of the foolish is in the house of mirth and the word mirth, we don't use that anymore, but it's basically saying, let's just celebrate and forget all of our troubles. Um, there's a foolishness that comes with that. And but, not a, but say, there's a wisdom in, in allowing yourself to kind of go to that place of sorrow is what you were saying. I yeah, just, absolutely. Wow. And, and again, it doesn't come naturally to a lot of people to, to want to do this process. And so we want to just give you three simple little things that, um, that are, or maybe steps you can take to begin to engage and welcome your emotions because wisdom is found there. And the first would just be, and it's, you said it, Eliza, just to slow down Mm -hmm. when you experience emotion, breathe through that and slow down. The goal of, of what we're trying to think about is not, is not to just jump to whatever's a quick fix or an answer or a solution, but rather to allow emotion to lead us towards the throne of grace. God wants to hear what we're experiencing. And we see beautiful examples of that, especially in the Psalms, but Hebrews four tells us that we're meant to approach God's throne of grace with confidence to receive mercy and and grace in our time of need. So it is a time of need. When you experience emotion, I need something, something's happening and it's helpful to just pay attention to it. So that's the first thing is just to slow down Mm -hmm. and go in front of the throne of grace. And the second thing is be in front of other people who are wise and compassionate if you have, if you don't have anybody in your life, seek that person out, whether that's a counselor, a friend, a pastor, who Mm -hmm. is someone that you can approach and say, Hey, I'm experiencing, uh, these bouts of anger or these Mm -hmm. bouts of fear that just seem to overtake me. And I want to walk through them wisely, not sure how, uh, but to be able to be in front of someone else who's safe, to be able to experience those things with you and to pray for you through that is really important. Look for somebody, look for somebody too, who is like, who, who doesn't just suppress their emotions, who isn't like flat and emotionless. Um, You're not looking for a stoic, but you're looking for somebody who you see wisely experiences emotion. So you know that they, they feel deeply, but they also are, are balanced and careful and, and always directing that towards the Lord. So any kind of a mentor or good friend. Yeah. Yeah. So, so the first thing is to slow down. The second thing is to be with other people who are wise. And then the third thing is that we do need to sow seeds of wisdom into our hearts Mm -hmm. related to these things. And so, um, you know, experiencing and expressing our emotions before the Lord and before others in a healthy way leads to wisdom in being able to function in the fruit of the spirit and to have behavior. Mm. That's an Mm -hmm. outworking of a heart that is wise because it's self-aware it's paying attention. It's doing something healthy and helpful with the emotion that we experience. So I think about passages of scripture, like James chapter three, verses 13 through 18, where it talks about the wisdom that comes from, from above it's pure, Mm -hmm. it's peaceable. It's full of mercy and good fruit. And that doesn't come accidentally. We have, we're working to get to that level of wisdom. We're moving in that direction as we're sanctified and it does take work. And the work, part of the work it takes is not just behavioral modification. Of course, it is a heart that is formed and transformed into a likeness of Christ. And so those are kind of just three quick things that I think can be helpful for us. I love it. And I think you just shared some, some great nuggets. I was actually writing them down as you were speaking, because I think they're worth repeating and worth hanging on to in my own life. Just, I love how you said, allow emotions to lead you to the throne of grace that like, 
just remember that as if you hear anything from the podcast, hear that today, but also I loved what you said about experiencing emotions in a healthy way leads to the fruit of the spirit. So this is why we want to, we want to share with you the wisdom of welcoming emotions, because if you experience those emotions in a healthy way, it will lead to more of the fruit of the spirit in your life. So thank you so much, Beth, for, for that wisdom. And we hope this has been helpful for you guys today. We know that emotions is something that everybody deals with in different ways. Sometimes people really struggle with how do I even express emotions or how do I, how do I regulate or control my emotions? And so share this with somebody, if you found it helpful, or if you think it could be insightful for a friend of yours, we would love for you to, to share it. Um, and we always like to end with a little moment of humanity. And I think it would be appropriate, Beth, if we, (laughs) Beth, can you tell I'm going to ask you to share. Um, if we talked about, I'm sure every single one of our listeners, I know this is true for myself. There have been times in my life where I didn't quite emotion, experience emotions in a healthy way and responded out of that with, without the fruit of the spirit, it didn't (laughs) come out in the more of the fruit of the spirit in my life. And so I know I, I can probably think about sometimes, but is there anything that you can kind of go back and think about times that you would be willing to share with all of our listeners? Actually, it's uh, so yes, I, I thought of a story and now it's kind of a funny family story. It was not funny at the time. Okay. Great. But <clears throat> yes, I had a lot of high emotion as a kid. That's probably an understatement. I was a, a super high feeler. And um, so I, when I was in middle school, I remember my older brother, I have an older brother. He's wonderful. He often took on the role of caregiver for me by his own volition without, you know, he, he was just, he was just an older brother, right? Like older brothers do that with their younger siblings. But I remember this one day and I think it was a Saturday and he was shirtless because I think he'd been playing outside in the, in the playing basketball in the garage. And he came in and gave me some sort of instruction of how I was supposed to be living my life that day. And I, um, very helpful. I'm sure he was trying, he really did try to be helpful, but uh, I obviously did not take it that way sometimes. And, um, we ended up arguing and I became so angry and I don't even remember what he said, but I became very angry. That emotion rose up inside of me and I slapped him on the back and he, he wasn't wearing a shirt. So, um, you know, he proceeded immediately to go and find my mother, which makes sense, you know, and, uh, mom, Beth hit me. And, uh, I denied it outright, you know, (laughs) I was, no, I didn't hit him. It was all his fault, everything, you know, but lo and behold, my brother was able to turn around and show my mother the, the handprint on his back. You got him good. Oh, (laughs) and and my mother just, you know, took me by the wrist and held my hand up against (laughs) his back to prove the fact that yes, I had slapped him and I was in a lot of trouble for that. But see, you know, this there again, it's like moms, we talked about this, I think in one of the podcasts of like moms, moms know everything, right? Like this, (laughs) this is a thing like moms have it figured out, especially when, (laughs) when there's evidence. Right. Yeah. I mean, we all have those moments like that probably, but this is a funny story in my family of like, if if you're going to hit your brother, don't leave a handprint. (laughs) Oh my goodness. Well, there you go. I mean, if, if the shoe fits or I guess, if the, if right. the hand print, I can, I can actually visualize your mom just grabbing your hand and being like, yep, there that it is. You. Oh, goodness. <laughs> well, Hey, thank you so much for being willing to share that. I'm sure all of us could share a story where our emotions definitely got the best of us, but, uh, so thank you. I hope that, 
adds a little levity to your all's day as you listen to this podcast. Thank you so much again for listening. And as we always say, share and like it, um, share it word of mouth too. Just telling your friends uh, about it is a great way and certainly follow us um, on our social media or go to our website at Council for Life Podcast. And so we hope you will join us again for another episode coming soon. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to Council for Life with Beth Broom and Eliza Huey. If you've been enjoying the podcast, please be sure to rate, share, and subscribe. And for more information, visit counselforlifepodcast.com.